Hi, everyone. This is Mark Tornello from Accept, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metal Ed, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another week of Focus on Metal. And this week, we get back on track with part two of our Bill O'Leary chat. So, a bit of a well-warranted diversion from plan last week, talking with Jeff Keith of Tesla. If you haven't heard that one, then you can head up to focusonmetalpod.com, listen to it and stream it from there or from uh, Apple Podcast or Amazon or wherever else you're finding Focus on Metal these days. But again, like I said this week, back on track with week two of talking with concert photographer Bill O'Leary. Good stuff this week as we dig into bands like, uh, you know, Def Leppard, Motley, Ozzy, Van Halen, some Randy Rhodes stuff, Rainbow, UFO, Queen. I could keep going. Long story short, lots of great bands talked about this week as uh, Richie queries Bill about all kinds of stuff. And if you want to hear the front end of this, that would be episode uh, 545. Same places that uh, you can go and listen to the Jeff Keith interview. And on 545, you can get all of uh, Bill's history and bring you right up until today. And then, as I said that during that episode, this week would be all about the bands that he's photographed. And speaking of Motley and Leopard, I just, you know, just a quick little note, my opinion anyways, on uh, on the stadium tour, I was uh, fortunate enough that I went to, after waiting, what, two years, went to the... Uh, opening day of the second leg of the stadium tour so uh, the first night at Fenway in Boston so that was the Friday night and that night Motley had the headliner and Def Leppard was just before them and then on Saturday this night two was when uh, Leopard had the headlining spot and honestly I kind of wish that Leopard had had the headlining spot on the night that I went I'll say that uh you know, Poison, seen them a whole bunch of times, and uh, they usually put on a great show, and they did once again. It was uh, interesting to uh, see CC up there as uh, kind of his CC slash Rob Zombie look going these days, but playing just as well as ever. And, you know, it's just a general great kind of hairband set that they put on, all the classics, and uh, put on a solid set. Honestly, the way we were trying to plan it is uh, my girlfriend and I were actually purposely trying to miss Joe and Jet and Poison, and we ended up getting there like two minutes before Poison went on. But uh, the good side of it was it was raining like freaking crazy until just before showtime, and it was supposed to be more rain, and it, except for a little drops here or there, didn't happen. So we were actually out in Fenway sweating balls. But, uh, you know, good show nonetheless. Leopard, solid show, end-to-end. Joe's voice sounded great. Vivian, he was uh, one happy fucker up there, just smiling the whole time. I think he loved coming in, basically down from New Hampshire, quick hop into Boston, probably all rested, ready to go. Like I said, he was probably the happiest I've seen him in a long time. 
But uh, again, solid show, good stuff. They played a couple of things off of the uh, new album there, Diamond Star Halos. So that was cool to see. Uh, one of them, kind of a ballady thing. Could have lost that one, but uh, crowd seemed to enjoy it. I didn't. That was definitely the uh, go for a beer song for me. And uh, then the headliner came up and... You know, I really wasn't expecting much from Crew, and I can say they happily delivered on not expecting much. Uh, their mix absolutely sucked. I think that was problem number one. Uh, there was times when you actually didn't know what the hell the song was until the lyrics came in. And even at that point, when you're depending on Vince Neil's half-croaked vocals to tell you what the song is, uh, you can kind of guess where the rest of it went. I say that uh, Tommy, despite having injuries early on, he was solid the whole time, drummed his ass off. And, uh, you know, I think that Mick, when you could hear him, sounded pretty good. Nicky, you know, playing as usual, but his stuff, it was just freaking loud. And it was pretty much, like I said, song to song. It was either Nicky was overwhelming everybody or all of a sudden Vince would overwhelm everybody until... It came to some part that probably he couldn't sing well. Then you couldn't hear him at all. And uh, at that point, it was usually the female backup singers that you could hear and not Vince anymore. And then uh, there were a couple of songs where fortunately you could get the key riffs out of Mick and you kind of knew what was going on. But overall, like I said, I really was not impressed much with uh, with Motley. Uh, I'll say the, the backup singers, they did a great job. But uh, again, it was just, I think the mix was probably the most bothersome thing of all of it. And if I was to say what was the song that they probably did the best on, it was actually their their newest one from uh, from The Dirt was probably the the one that they seemed to pull it all together for. But again, it was kind of disappointing where the mix was just really all over the place where, you know, just a band before Def Leppard's mix was just spot on awesome. But that's just one asshole's opinion. So anyways, with that out of the way, what do you say that we dive into the scheduled agenda from last week? And that is Richie's uh, second chat with legendary concert photographer Bill O'Leary. Good morning. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Right on schedule, huh? Yeah. I'm Irish. We're always there when the bar is open. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, I, I sent you a list. Did you get it? I had a look at it. No, I've, I've listed some bands here, and I want to say thanks for doing this, because I know you mentioned some of the bands yesterday, Yeah. And um, but I didn't really ask you about any specific bands. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the bands off, Bill, and I, you don't have to go through every single tour that you, fo- you, you photographed them, but... Maybe something stood out in one of the concerts you did, or, or maybe a particular lineup that 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 you did that didn't last that long, or you know maybe sure. the band was off that had a, an off night that night, something sure. like that. So okay. So the, the the first band I'm going to ask you about is is Def Leppard. You were really early on in on those guys, weren't you? So Def Leppard, yes, that was their very first United States tour, and it was in support of their first album, On Through the Night. And yes, that was with uh, founding guitar player Pete Willis. 
who uh, lasted, I believe, two, maybe three albums, if I remember. And uh, so, yeah, it was their very first tour. They opened for various bands, uh, including the Scorpions on their Animal Magnetism tour, Blackfoot, and they also were opening for Ted Nugent on a bunch of dates. So, yeah, it was really exciting to get early pictures of them and of course uh you know they've had a tragic history with uh rick the drummer losing an arm and then pete willis was fired supposedly for drinking too much and then of course uh, alcohol abuse took the life of stephen clark so in reality there's three members left to this day um if someone was to ask you a band that you saw really early in their career that you knew would be massive would Def Leppard be the one wow you know at the time I had no idea how big they would become I would say the same thing is true about Motley Crue I saw them on the Shout at the Devil tour which was their second album and they were opening up for Ozzy Osbourne and they were just just starting to get popular on that album, the, uh, Shout at the Devil, with a few videos on MTV. But I had no idea both of those bands would become as as big as, as they have. In fact, they're on a current stadium tour in the United States right now with both of those bands co-headlining, I believe. Mm. Did you photograph uh, Randy Rhodes with Ozzy at all? Yes, I did. Another uh, very fortunate situation for me. Uh, I I caught the very first shows in the United States on Ozzy's Blizzard of Oz tour in New York City. And I took pictures at that show. There were two shows in one night, and I went to the early show. And I had known about Randy from that first Blizzard of Oz album and was very excited for that. And those are probably some of my most classic and in-demand photos uh, to this day. Then um, I loved Randy Rhodes so much that I saw him two additional times before he tragically died. But both of those times, I decided not to take my camera so that I could enjoy the concert. Bill, how, how good was he live? Because he's, he's, um, become, he's become, over the years, he's become this legend. Like, was his yes. stage presence really good? I, I know his playing was top-notch. He was one of those guys that not only did he have the image, he was a very small guy, and he, he just looked like a total rock star i mean uh, image wise unbelievable uh playing wise yeah he he stood out to me and as you know i've seen a lot of guitar gods in my time and he he stood out right after eddie van halen came out in 1978 and blew everybody away and i got to see eddie van halen on his very first tour with black sabbath in 1978 and of course that blew my mind along with everybody else that liked you know hard rock and guitar players but if i were to compare the two very similar in that they came out and became exposed and people just loved both of them and there's this battle between the two to this day who was better randy rhodes or eddie van halen and i'll tell you they were different 
they were night and day different as far as their playing. Uh, I would say that Randy Rhodes was more classically influenced, but I'll tell you what, his his sound and the way he played on stage was phenomenal and i i must i must admit he's one of the best guitar players along with eddie van halen i've ever seen live um did you see ozzy with brad gillis i did not see ozzy with brad gillis in fact to the contrary after randy rhodes died and ozzy put out the double live speak of the devil album which by the way he he was under contract he had no choice but to put that album out and Brad Gillis was the second replacement guitar player after Bernie Torme briefly took over after Randy Rhodes died. And to be to be truthful, I was not a big fan of Brad Gillis personally. So no, I did not see them, and I don't feel I missed much after seeing Randy Rhodes three times. <laughs> Look at you! Um, right. When is the first time you you photographed Kiss? So Kiss. Unfortunately, I missed the original lineup for whatever reason. I, my timing never worked out uh, to see the original lineup with makeup. Finally, I got to see them in 1984 on the Lick It Up tour, which is right when they had Vinnie Vincent on guitar, who replaced Ace Freely. And that's also when they took their makeup off. I believe that was the first time, if not the album before, that they did an album and tour with no makeup. And so I was disappointed. I would have loved to have to have pictures of the original Kiss, but no. Um, come to find out, the the Vinnie Vincent pictures that I have uh, with Kiss happen to be very rare because he did not last very long with them. Um, now over the years, I know I know Paul Stanley in particular has said that. Vinny was over the top on stage that he just wanted to solo over everything. Did you see that firsthand? Yes, he he was very animated on stage. And of course, as a photographer, I love that because visually, you know, that's what you want. But yeah, I could tell that he was outshining Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, if that's at all possible, on stage. And yeah, it, it, it made Kiss a lot more uh, heavy metal in a way, as opposed to hard rock Kiss, early Kiss. And I thought it was really good. And of course, Eric Carr was the drummer who sadly passed away. And um, so I'm very fortunate I got pictures of him behind his drum kit, which was mounted on top of a tank turret. And it was a phenomenal-looking drum setup and platform. So two rare things, that, Eric Carr, and Vinnie Vincent, So and no makeup. So that made it rare, I guess you could say. You didn't know Eric at all, Bill, did you? Because you were doing a lot of shows in the New York area. Yeah, I uh, did, not, did not ever have the opportunity to meet him uh, or any of the members of KISS. Nope, never did. Okay. Um, what lineup of Motorhead did you photograph? The Motorhead, that was a great situation. Again, very early, their very first tour in the, in the United States, they were supporting 
the Ace of Spades album, which, in my opinion, was the was a highlight for them. I love all Motorhead, but the Ace of Spades tour and album was a was a peak for them, in my opinion. And of course, all original members who are all gone. Yeah. So yeah, I have uh, amazing pictures of all three of the guys original members like i said and that was the only time that i ever photographed uh motorhead um how loud was that concert well it was in the palladium theater in new york city which was an old theater the the acoustics were very good but yes it was loud you know i would i would tell you though loud is is it's it's not you can't really associate loud with any band in particular, Motorhead or anyone. I I will tell you that my memory of the loudest two concerts I ever went to, believe it or not, was Cheap Trick at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, um, unbelievably loud with uh, the English band UFO opening up, and then the other one that was so loud that i almost walked out of the arena was when metallica was on tour with their black album it was so loud that the sound man should have been immediately fired it was white noise where you couldn't even hear the music it was so loud but motorhead yes of course they were loud but not not as loud as some of the other shows the loudest concert i was ever at and a lot of people are amazed when i bring this up I saw David Lee Roth in, on his A Little Ain't Enough tour in the early 90s. And yeah. he, he had the boxing ring and the surfboard. And this was, Steve Vai and Billy Sheen were gone. So this was okay. the album after that. It's the, one, it's the one Jason Becker did but couldn't tour on. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was the loudest concert I was ever at. And it, it was like with Roth that it, anything that was done was done over the top, including yeah. the sound levels. It was amazing. Yep. Now, you saw Van Halen really early on. Um, how yes. Many, how many tours of Van Halen did you do? So I was lucky there again. Uh, I've, like I said previously, I saw the very first U.S. tour opening up for Black Sabbath on their very first album. Then I saw Van Halen 2, the second album tour, and I saw that show two nights in a row at the same venue in Boulder, Colorado. Then the third tour, Women and Children First, otherwise known as the World Invasion Tour in 1980, that was uh, the last time I saw them as far as taking pictures. So I took pictures of the second tour and the third album tour. Um, I saw them later with Sammy Hagar when they did the Monsters of Rock tour uh, with Scorpions, Kingdom Come, and I believe Metallica and Dokken were on that bill as well. But uh, got to see Van Halen uh, quite a few times. I prefer the original old Van Halen. And, you know, uh, after the third album is when they started to get almost too popular. And I'm glad I got to photograph the early band. Now, the popular opinion over the years is that Van Halen blew Black Sabbath off the stage on that tour. Did you think that night you saw them that Van Halen were the better band? I absolutely would agree with that. I witnessed it firsthand. I had very good seats on the side of the stage. And I'll tell you this, Van Halen came out and 
no pun intended because it's the name of one of their songs, but they were on fire and energetic and running around the stage. And it was incredible. And then Black Sabbath comes out and Ozzy was so out of it. It, it just, it, it, it was just terrible. They, they had no energy Ozzy was was on something, either alcohol or some drug, or hungover. But in between every song and when he wasn't singing, he would walk to the side of the stage and sit on a chair. And and this must have happened thirty times during the show, where he would go over and just sit in this chair when he wasn't doing his vocals. So what I witnessed. At the time, and I remember saying it to my friends, there is the passing of the torch right there. It's it's the old is going to go away, and Van Halen, the new style, is is here. And sure enough, that's what happened. Was that an arena show, Bill? Yes, it was uh, mostly arenas in the United States, correct. Okay. Now, did you do Savage with Dio or with Ian Gillen? I saw both tours. I did not take pictures of either one. Um, like I told you previously, 50% of the shows I went to, I wanted to go as a fan. Yeah. I wanted to enjoy I wanted to enjoy the show. And yeah, um, being Gillen in 1984, it was an amazing concert. I thought it was great. A lot of people thought that was a mismatch and he should have never been the singer of Sabbath. But I thought, at least live, the concert I went to, they were incredibly heavy and uh, another great band opened up that show it was a band from australia called heaven who were unbelievable as well and then i later saw or earlier i saw um ronnie james dio i saw the very first heaven and hell tour at madison square garden and quick story they also did a show on that same tour at Nassau Coliseum, which is out on Long Island in New York. And they filmed that show for a concert film, concert documentary. And I happen to have made the cut in the film. If you watch the documentary, you can see me, and I, I think I'm in the third or fourth row. And you can see me a couple a couple or few times in the documentary movie. Nice. Now, what- yeah. When you did Rainbow, was that who was the singer? Was that with Ronnie or Graham Bonner no, or Joe Lynn was, Turner? Yeah, that was Joe Lynn Turner's very first tour and album, and he he was brand new, fresh, and uh, he went over pretty well. Richie Blackmore has a, t- a reputation to not like lead singers at all. And you could tell even during that show, uh, he would he would keep giving Joe Lynn Turner the evil eye, like uh, don't over, you know, don't overact on stage, uh, you know. And Joe was being a young frontman uh, for a rock band, but Richie Blackmore wanted to be, you know, front and center to everything. And um, I've got amazing photos of that performance. I believe I was in the front row for that one without credentials as well. And uh, talk about an opportunity to photograph a true legend. And of course, Deep Purple's bass player, Roger Glover, was the uh, drummer. I mean, excuse me, bass player. So I got I got pictures of, you know, 
two of the legends uh, from Deep Purple. And I had also, I believe it was the same year or the year before, gotten pictures of John Lord and Ian Pace when they were in Whitesnake. So I had gotten the opportunity to see all the members of Deep Purple, but only photographed a few of them. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. Um, UFO, what tour was that? So UFO, I did get to see UFO with Michael Schenker on the Obsession tour. They were they were co-headlining or opening with Rush. Uh, did not take my camera, but in 1980, I got to see them after Michael Schenker had departed, and Paul Chapman was the lead guitar player. The tour was no place to run, and it was early 1980, and definitely enjoyed that one a lot of people did not know that michael schenker had left the band you know because there was no internet in that in those days so news was very slow to get around i had heard about it i believe in circus magazine or one of the rock magazines that he had he had walked away um but i was pleasantly surprised how well paul chapman filled his shoes yeah i think his era the band for a lot of people is their favourite like a lot of people they'll talk about Shankar and they'll say UFO with Shankar and nobody else but I think over the years the the, the Paul Chapman era has definitely been it's been uh, re-evaluated by a lot of people I I would agree in the same way that um, Thin Lizzy with Snowy White and of course Gary Moore is some of my favorite Thin Lizzy and a lot of people say oh no the original with Brian Robertson and Scott Gorham is the only Thin Lizzy, and I, I disagree. <laughs> and I, I say the same thing about UFO. The three albums I believe Paul Chapman did after uh, Michael Schenker left, I, I think are amazing albums. Mm. Um, Bill, how many Queen tours did you see? So Queen, I only saw one. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Queen in the 70s i got to see them for the first time in 1980 on the game tour uh ironically the game album released uh two of the biggest queen songs in history so they they had just exploded on that album and tour of course they were huge before that but the game album really put them over the top internationally i think the songs were crazy little thing called love and um the other one that had the slightly disco sounding bass line i can't remember the name another one bites the dust yes it precisely another one bites the dust so those two songs were huge that of course they played those when i photographed them as far as seeing them live wow what can i say a photographer's dream not so much just the band and freddie mercury and the performers but they were known for an incredible light show way ahead of its time i would say them and genesis were the two bands coming out of the 70s that had the most spectacular light show and yeah what a joy to to photograph them and of course my freddie mercury pictures highly in demand and everybody loves seeing those focus How good a frontman was he, Bill? Uh, 
the best. I, I sincerely think he was the best. I would also say that in his vocal abilities, uh, live in the studio, I mean, all around, he was incredible. And everybody, when they would watch him live, was in the palm of his hand whatever he wanted the audience to do they were with him and it, it, it was amazing and i'm so fortunate to have gotten to see him you know as far as legendary bands i never got to see led zeppelin but i did get to see queen i got to see the original pink floyd well not Sid Barrett Pink Floyd, but the, the main Pink Floyd after that, uh, when I photographed the wall tour. So I got to see some legendary stuff, and I would put Queen at the top of that list. When you're photographing something like the wall, and it's a massive show, huge stage, a lot of theat theatrics and effects, that must be difficult to photograph and get the actual size of it in the photograph. Well, believe it or not, in, in my instance, it worked out perfect because I was in, I think, the 30th row. So I was back far enough, almost halfway back on the floor, where I could take the entire setup in perspective. Now, as far as getting close-up shots, I would have to use a telephoto lens, and I got some pretty good close-ups, somewhat close, including my favorite iconic shot of that night is david gilmore doing the solo for comfortably numb standing on top of the wall all alone doing that solo with a single white spotlight coming up and from behind him so all you basically saw was his silhouette on top of the wall in a spotlight I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the most iconic moments in, in rock and roll. But yeah, I was far enough away to where I could take it all in. Incredible. I, I don't even consider that a rock concert. It was almost like a Broadway show. It was so theatrical. <laughs> uh, what lineup of the, of the Michael Schenker group did you photograph? So, Michael Schenker, yeah. Um, boy, was I fortunate there um, as far as his solo career after UFO. I got to see the very first tour. Uh, ironically, in the United States, they were opening up for Southern rock band Molly Hatchet, another band that I do love, but an odd pairing to say the least. That show, he did a quick opening set, maybe 30, 40 minutes, and it was incredible. Cozy Powell was on drums. Uh, the one and only time I got to see him. The problem was, is I was so I was in the front row, and the drum kit was so close to the front edge of the stage that I couldn't even see Cozy. Hmm. <laughs> so I didn't get any pictures with him with his face, unfortunately. But yeah, Michael Shanker, the first tour, unbelievable. And then um, I think it was three or four years later. Yeah, it was 1984. I got to see uh, the Built to Destroy tour, another incredible tour. Some of my best Michael Schenker shots are from, well, they're from both of those shows. I got amazing photos of him. But the second time I saw him in 1984, uh, again, incredible, absolutely one of my favorite guitar players of all time. And you got shots of Ingve with Alcatraz. 
Right. Very early. Speaking uh, previously about shooting a band early on. Yeah. I mean, I, my, I, I titled my Ingve photos Baby Ingve because he looked so young with Alcatraz. Uh, and of course, as everyone knows, that did not last long at all. I think one album, one tour, and it was done. But I did get some amazing shots of him. Very young, like I said, and he was another guitar player. You know, when he came out, people started hearing about him in, I think, 1983 when he was in a band called Steeler. That was his first band when, when he came to, to, to California for the first time. Uh, but really, people got to know him with uh, Alcatraz. Uh, so, yeah, early on, he came out and was absolutely stunning uh, on stage. For me, it was very interesting because I was a huge Uli Roth fan from early Scorpions. And I thought Ingve played a lot like Uli Roth and, of course, Richie Blackmore. So, yeah, I was very excited when I was taking my pictures to have shots of him. Little did I know how his immediate solo career would go, and I think he's been nonstop since since he played in Alcatraz. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of Graham Bonnet. I, I want to know how good a singer was he live back then. I thought he did good. I thought he really did good. Um, I've always been a fan of his singing. Um, the um, Rainbow album, Down to Earth, is unbelievable. I, I have some video footage of those tours, and Graham Bonnet was unreal. His image was not rock and roll, but incredible singer. And if I, if I can go back uh, to Ingve for a minute at the Alcatraz concert, uh, performed incredibly all, all night right in front of our my camera and just incredible. But uh, one not-so-fun moment was at the very end of the show. He comes over right in front of me while I have my camera in my hands taking pictures, and he puts his thumb on the top of a Heineken bottle and shakes it up and sprays beer all over us and my camera gear. So I took it as kind of, well, that guy's a jerk for doing that, but of course it is just rock and roll. Did you get a sense at that show that a lot of the audience were there to see Ingve and not not uh, not the band? Yeah, I I would say fifty fifty on that. Of course, that's when people just started hearing about this this new young guitar god. And it's hard for me to say. I I, I couldn't tell you. Possibly fifty fifty. Um, I don't know that there were a lot of Graham Bonnet fans, but I think. I think his name, of course, was more known to people into hard rock, you know, because of uh, Rainbow. People that didn't know about, in the U.S. at least, people didn't know about Graham Bonnet's solo career over in Europe, which was huge. You know, they only knew about the one Rainbow album. So I would say 50-50 at that show. Okay. The last band I want to touch on, Bill, is Rush. Well, we might we might have to extend our talk here because <laughs> <laughs> we're t we're probably talking about my favorite band of all time musically. I, I I just when I first heard Rush, I was hooked immediately, and I mean I became a gigantic fan. Like a lot of original fans, I wasn't too happy with them in the '80s when they went a little bit too electronic for me. But I, I always loved them, and I did not fault them for constantly evolving 
photography wise boy um was i lucky because i got to shoot them initially on the hemispheres tour and although my photos aren't of the quality that they would become later a year later i got some good rare photos of them at that show and then uh i was ready to go when i had the opportunity to see them four nights in a row at oh. the palladium yeah at the palladium theater and by the way after that permanent waves tour in 1980 they never played theaters again. They were an arena band. Uh, two of the nights, I believe I was in the front and second row. And boy, was I ready to take pictures. I mean, I think I brought four or five, six rolls of film every single night because I just wanted to keep taking pictures. <laughs> no, uh, so I, I probably I probably have more Rush photos than any band. <laughs> now, when, you, when I was talking to you yesterday... You mentioned the difficulty in getting pictures of drummers. Now, Neil's kit was huge, so that must have been an even bigger challenge. Um, it was, but like I said, I had multiple angles on the you know the four nights. So, I, I you know, and, and watching Neil is is a dream come true for any fan of drumming or a Rush fan for that matter. And I I can really concentrated on trying to get the best shots of Neil and. Yeah, he's any drummer is tough to shoot, and he he's a fast one as well. But I think I nailed it. I've got incredible Neil shots, incredible shots of all three of the guys, especially from the Permanent Waves tour. And then uh, the next tour, the the last time I photographed them, Moving Pictures, which was their biggest album in tour, and I got some really good shots of that tour from Madison Square Garden, which of course is a world famous arena. And yeah, dream come true to get to shoot Rush on three albums in a row, probably the peak of their success as far as, you know, classic Rush. And I mean, I have so many Rush photos. I did a separate book of my own just on Rush, which has sold incredibly on amazon.com. It also was licensed believe it or not, in Brazil. And they re rewrote my Rush book into Portuguese. <laughs> uh, evidently, Rush is extremely popular in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's right. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, they, they took them a long time to go to South America and perform, and they finally did, and even the band was amazed at how how popular they were in South America. Mm. Did you see any of the, uh, the Bon Scott tours with ACDC? Early. Uh, of course, I I caught um, Back in Black tour with, with Brian. Yeah. And, and that, was, uh, that was August 1st. And I believe Bon died in February. So we're talking five or six months later after Bon died. So I got to see that version of ACDC, which became enormously successful and of course back in black being the biggest selling rock album in history i believe very fortunate to get amazing photos of that show with a young Def leopard opening up by the way mm. no never got to see bond i heard lots of stories that was personally my favorite acdc was with bond singing but i missed it i didn't get the opportunity to photograph bond Right, Bill, final question, and I'm going to leave you go. 
of all the shows you've seen, and maybe the ones you've photographed might be a, a, a better better question here. Um, you're really close to the stage. You can see the people on the stage. What was the most disappointing show you went to where you could notice that there was tension on stage amongst the band members, you know, infighting maybe, that you could get a sense of that and it, it came up in the photographs? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, that's a very tough question. I I don't I don't know. I'm I might have to uh, think about that and give you an answer the next time we talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly I honestly don't recall any situation like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. The, the best live show you've ever seen is what? Oh boy. Another tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as theatrics and just an amazing spectacle, Pink Floyd, The Wall, that's tough to beat. Yeah. As a fan, you know, the Rush shows, I mean, those early Rush shows, oh my God, just incredible. Not so much from a photographer's point of view, but as a fan. And then, you know, like I said uh, a few moments ago, as a photographer, Nothing, nothing hard to hard to touch Queen with Freddie Mercury, especially in the front row. It, it, absolutely incredible. So I would have to put that Queen show, the Wall, and some of those early Rush, Permanent Waves uh, shows. You know, and there's been a lot. I, I'm overlooking a lot. I mean, I I got to see the Eagles on their Hotel California tour three times and didn't take pictures, but those were incredible shows back in the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, the list is long. Thank God I have now because I'm an organized Irishman. I, uh, I didn't rely on ticket stubs. I actually documented and logged every single concert I ever went to, who I went with, the date, where I sat, and then the photography, of course, backs the, backs a lot of that up. Mm. Bill, you don't, you can't believe how envious I am of you. <laughs> oh, I've been I've been told that a million times, especially on Facebook. And I'll tell you what, I'm just proud that I can share my photos of these these times when when things were so different in music and. Yeah, I, I even pinched myself, wow, how fortunate was I to see this? How fortunate was I to see that? I can't even believe it because, first and foremost, I'm a fan, mm. and I o- I always will be. Oh, one more band, Bill, before I leave you go. I want sure. to ask you about the band and, and the crowd, because you mentioned crazy crowds yesterday. You, you did Nuclear Assault, didn't you? Sure, sure. Knew those guys personally from the New York scene where I did a lot of photography. Uh, I had told you I was very good friends with Overkill, Bobby Blitz, Rats Gates, Dee Dee Verney. Good friends with Anthrax. You know, not close friends, you know, come over and have a beer, but acquaintances just by being in that scene back then. And Nuclear Assault, I, I actually interviewed them on their bus as well. I was... I. Besides photography, I did do some journalism uh, stuff, interviews. Uh, I even wrote articles for some uh, heavy metal magazines back in the day. So anyway, I did an interview with Nuclear Assault, and then I photographed them, and they happened to be playing at probably one of the most famous punk and rock clubs called CBGB's in, in Lower Manhattan. And 
you know, a, a famous place, uh, you know, where Blondie, the Talking Heads, the Ramones, you know, the early uh, punk bands from the 70s in the New York area, you know, all played every night. And um, Nuclear Assault was playing there, and it enabled me to be literally on stage with them. So that was amazing, and that was before they even put out a, their first album. Wow. Um, I, then I saw them again. Oh boy, I'm going to say it was probably about six or eight years later on the Something Wicked tour. And it was it was only John, the singer-guitarist, and uh, Glenn, the drummer. The, uh, the other two guys had, had been replaced. Dan Lilliker, the famous bass player who started the band uh, after leaving Anthrax, of course. He was no longer in the band. So I, I got to photograph uh, Nuclear Assault two different times, two different eras of the band. And yeah, I mean, I, I living living in the New York area, I always had a, very, a closeness with all the New York bands. One that I did not ever photograph that became huge was Twisted Sister. Unfortunately, I never photographed them, but I did get to see them in the very early days in the bars and clubs when they did cover tunes. And boy, let me tell you, was that a band that was incredible live when they were in the clubs, but long before we're not going to take it and all that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular reason why you never photographed Twisted Sister? Uh, I just, I, it just, the opportunity didn't come up. And in fact, I got to see them in a theater where I did have my camera, but I came late. They were opening up for Judas Priest on Judas Priest's Hellbent for Leather tour down in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And, yep, had my camera, got some early pictures of Judas Priest, but like I said, I came late and I missed Twisted Sister's entire set. Wow. All right, Phil. Well, I'm going to leave you go. The stories, I could talk to you for hours on stories like this. All right, sounds good, Richie. All right, Bill, stay co stay cool. It's about ninety-five it. here today. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, in Denver, which is lower than where I am in the mountains here. It's a hundred, <laughs> but but we don't we don't have the humidity that you guys have. Yeah, I know it's pretty bad here. Oh, the humidity! I don't miss that one bit. Yeah. All right, Bill, I'm going to leave you go. All right, call, call me, text me, email me anytime. Will do, Bill. Thanks for the time. You bet. Bye. Right, bye. So hopefully, as I had promised up front, that gave you a crap load of historical data on a whole bunch of great bands. And if you want to even look and see what's available from Bill, as far as prints in all kinds of formats from some of the bands that he talked about, then you want to head up to timelessconcertimages.pixels.com. And from there, he's got it sorted by band, and he's got photos, and it's anywhere from like 10 to 20 photos per band, and you can have those put onto a variety of formats, canvas or prints or coffee mugs or all kinds of stuff. But again, that is timelessconcertimages.pixels.com. And if you just want to find about Bill's history and all that, then you can just go to timelessconcertimages.com. And those links will also be available in the show notes up at 
FocusOnMetalPod.com. And uh, for those of you uh, new to the show, uh, yes, we do actually put up show notes for every episode and, you know, a little artwork that I do and description and all that stuff. And then like last week with the Jeff Keith one, we took a lot of great shots at the show in Webster. And so we did a little photo gallery for that one as well. That one doesn't happen all the time. So we do have other stuff to check out when you're up there. But again, yeah, we do do show notes every week. And the links for uh, Bill stuff will be on the uh, show notes for this week. And also, big thanks to Bill O'Leary for taking uh, a lot of time out, two different days, talking with Richie uh, about his career and bands and all that. Definitely a crapload of time that Bill gave us to do these two episodes. So again, thank you, Bill, for all that time. And even more so, thanks for all the great photos that you have put out to uh, enrich our rock and metal lives. Wow, got all Hallmark card there for a moment. So we got a few things bubbling up for next week. Not sure where it's all going to fall out. Could be just a discussion thing with Richie and I. Could be an interview with an author or an artist or, you know, who knows right now what's going down for episode 548. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie myself and everybody else here at focus on metal have yourselves a great metal week and until we talk to you again next time as always remember focus on metal everything else is insignificant Still here? It's over. Go home.